morning. I'm Kyle Thompson, one of the pastors here. I want to just give you a warm welcome, whether you're in person or watching online. Thank you for worshiping with us as we kick off this season of Advent. I once had someone ask me a question, where do you hail from? Kind of caught me off guard, and I was thinking in my head, I hail from a place where people don't talk weird. <laughs> if you want to know where I'm from, just ask me, right? But I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. That's where I grew up, and I uh, loved growing up in the mountains here in North Carolina. It was a very special place for me, and I had like a magical childhood. And how could you not when you live in Asheville where you, your city has its entire own castle, right? The Biltmore Estate. And so I used to love to go there with my family. And my mom said that we went when I was like four years old for the first time. And I got back from going to the big castle and I told my parents, you know, that's my castle. No one else's, right? They think it's theirs, but it's really mine. But uh, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, made lots of friends, um, fell in love for the first time. I uh, learned to follow uh, Jesus, confessed him as my Lord and Savior. So Asheville is a special place for me. And it used to make me mad when some of my friends when we were growing up would talk badly about the city that we grew up in. They would call it, some of them would call it Trashville. They're like, man, I can't wait to grow up and get out of here. Right? This, this place is trash, Trashville. I don't like being here. I want to go to a big city like Charlotte or whatever. And it used to make me really mad. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it's just, some of my experience, I'm guessing wherever you grew up, there was probably people there that said they couldn't wait to get out of that town either, right? In Nashville, we wanted to move to Charlotte. People grew up in Charlotte probably say, well, I wish I'd grow up in Chicago. Or people in Chicago say, I wish I was growing up in New York City. And people in New York City, well, I wish I was in L.A., right? It's always somewhere better than where we are, right? And what's interesting, though, is when we do grow up and we do move away, if we move away, Lots of people that I know end up being nostalgic and they look back to their childhood and say, I wish I could go back to the city that I grew up in. So where do you hail from? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? What did uh, life in your town or your city, how, how was that? How did that shape who you became? And are you living in that same city now? Do, or do you move somewhere else? Would you like to go back? Maybe just take one second, turn to somebody and tell them where you grew up. Or if you're online, talk about it in the chat. We'd love to hear. Where'd you grow up? Just take a quick second. Any native Charlatans here today? Any native Charlatans? All right, that is awesome. We're glad to have some natives in the house. That's good. Well, this season of Advent, we're going to talk about kind of some geography of leading up to the birth of Jesus. Like what happened like in Israel? Who were some of the key players? Where did they come from? How did that affect their story? Uh, and we're going to go kind of on a, on a ge geographical journey through the Bible, getting ready for Jesus to be born. But at the same time, I want you to be thinking about your own journey in life, especially in your journey related to God. What, what does it look like? Where, where did you come from? Where does God have you now, and where might God be leading you to next in your life? Not just like ge geography, but in general, like what you do, who you're with, what God calls you to do. So we're going to go on a journey, right? As we think about Christmas Day, you know, how does, how does Christmas Day 2,000 years ago relate to our everyday lives today? So we're going to be on this journey, and we're going to be basing it on a study by Adam Hamilton, which Pastor Lindsay talked about. You get to have one of those books, and hope you read that every day. There's just a small passage of, of something to read that kind of tunes you into what we're talking about. But just to be thinking about, 
what does your journey with God look like? Uh, and we're going to talk about how maybe we could take a next step in that journey with God. But today, we're going to dive into the story of the birth of Jesus, and we're going to be in the Bible. Uh, the story of Jesus is recorded in two books. It's recorded in Matthew and Luke. These are Gospels. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. And so we're going to start off today in the Gospel of Luke as we're getting ready to learn more about Jesus' parents, specifically his mom. So let's go into Luke 1, 26, uh, and we start out here. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a woman in the first century who was past the years of having children. She always wanted to have a child. She couldn't have a child, but now God is giving her this miracle conception, and she's in her sixth month of being pregnant. Now, this is going to come up in, in just a minute about why that's important, so just hang on to that. Sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, right? An angel is a messenger from God, right? In the Bible, it's a supernatural being, a messenger from God that God sends to people to deliver a message. So God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Galilee's in the northern part of Israel. There's a sea of Galilee. It's like a big lake there. It's all these rolling hills. And Nazareth is a town in Galilee. You might have heard of Nazareth, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Mary's going to be from Nazareth. Uh, we might have fond thoughts about Nazareth. Here's a picture of modern-day Nazareth. Uh, as you can see, it's a really cool-looking city. But uh, in first-century Israel, it looked nothing like that. Right? This is all modern-day. Here's another picture of me with my mom. She's not Mary. I'm not Jesus. But we were in Nazareth together several years ago, and so that was kind of a cool experience. But as we think about Nazareth, um, in Jesus' day, or even before he was born, in Mary's day, first-century Nazareth was a small town. It's like in the hills, right? Maybe between 100 and 400 people lived there, right? So it was teeny, teeny, tiny. There was a spring of water there, which is probably why people settled, because in the Middle East, water meant life. And so a little, you know, outcropping broke up there. There were some caves there. People, some people lived in caves. Some people lived in homes. Uh, but again, a small town. And right near Nazareth was a big town called Sephoris that was over 30,000 people. So in Sephora, you had the cosmopolitan kind of lifestyle, all the fun, the works there, the social life, all that kind of stuff. People want to go to Sephora. That's where it's all happening. It's where the haves are, Nazareth. It's the backwater. It's the hills where the rednecks live, right, where, uh, you know, the have-nots are. It's just not where people want to be. And so when Jesus was starting his ministry as an adult and some of the other disciples found out that he was from Nazareth, one of the disciples said to one of the other ones, "Is like, could anything good come from Nazareth? And he meant that. Like, how could something like Jesus come out of Nazareth? I imagine the teenagers who lived in Nazareth probably called it Trashereth, right? We, we can't wait to get out of here. There's nothing here. It's just a dead end. We want to move to Sephora. So when we're old enough, we're going to go get a job. That's where all the parties are. That's where everything's happening. I can't wait to get out of Nazareth. So why is God send an angel, a supernatural messenger to this small podunk town that no one wants to be in? It's not even on the list of most of the, of, of the cities or towns in Israel from the first century. It's so small, it's not even on many of those lists. Right? Maybe there's a clue in the name of Nazareth. Let's look at the Hebrew word that's behind Nazareth. The Hebrew word netzer means a branch or a shoot. 
If you can think about a tree that gets chopped down and there's nothing left but a stump there, that tree is dead and it's gone, right? But sometimes from that tree stump, what happens? Life comes out, right? A, a, a branch might start again, a shoot, something green starts to grow again. The tree begins to grow again when you wouldn't think it would. Well, in the history of Israel, the nation of Israel has been chopped down a couple of times, right? Just foreign armies come in, they dominate Israel, they take the people out of Israel, the leaders out of Israel, and, and take them into captivity in other nations. And so Israel's had this, this tough track record as a nation, uh, and it's been chopped down a couple of times. And maybe in the name of Nazareth, we see that there's hope for a new beginning for Israel. Why did God send the angel Gabriel to the town of Nazareth? Let's keep going. So Luke one twenty seven. So the angel sent Gabriel to go to Nazareth to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So a young girl is getting ready to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. David was the greatest king in the history of Israel about a thousand years before this is happening. right? And the virgin's name was Mary. So the angel goes to Mary in Nazareth, who's engaged to this guy named Joseph, give or take, right, getting in this marriage process. And we believe that Mary's somewhere around the age of 13, which from a 21st century American perspective, that's a little creepy and illegal. All right, so, but in first century Israel, the life expectancy was about 35 years old. So when you turn 13, you could have children, right? You're going to get married because you're about middle age, right? So this is not so weird to the people in the first century. So the angel Gabriel is coming to Nazareth in Galilee, the small town, to see this young woman named Mary, roughly age 13. So the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So this angel, this supernatural being, comes to Mary in Nowheresville and says, the Lord is with you. You are highly favored by God. Right? Mary's got to be thinking, what is going on here? I, I'm just a young woman in a nowhere town, and God is sending this message to me and says that I'm favored. What is this about? Mary is greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. And who can blame her? I mean, that would freak me out if, if God did that in Charlotte, right? But Nazareth, like, come on, what's going on here? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Again, a second time, right, an angel says something. When an angel says something to you two times, you might want to pay attention to that, right? If this angel says something to you one time, you might want to pay attention to it. But two times, Mary, you have found favor with God. That's got to be a good thing. When God shows you favor, that's got to be a good thing. So let's, let's see what happens. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And by the way, Jesus means God saves. Right? So the son, Jesus, is going to be doing some saving of people in the world. Right? Give you, call him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Remember, David was the greatest king in all of Israel. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants. That simply means all of the people of Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Big plans for little Nazareth. right? Big plans for little Mary. Right? You're, you're going to get an opportunity to be the mother of God. This is crazy. Right? So she replies, how will this be? 
Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Not all the way married, haven't consummated the marriage, right? Don't understand in vitro fertilization yet in the first century. How am I going to have a child? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary, we understand you're a virgin. You haven't consummated your marriage yet. Right, but this is going to be a union between God and humanity, the divine and human, right? So God's going to take care of this so that Jesus can be God and Jesus can also be human. It, it's, it's, a, it's a union. It's a mingling, right? God creates life. God controls DNA. If, if we can right, have virgin births in 21st century, certainly God can have it then. But for Mary, like, she's freaking out about that because she doesn't understand that. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, right? Your cousin Elizabeth, she's past the point of having children, right? We met her just a few minutes ago, and yet she's pregnant. She's in her sixth month, right? Look, Mary, I'm not just making stuff up, right? God can do amazing things, right? She's going to have a child, right? By the way, it's going to be Jesus' cousin, John, John the Baptist, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, right, unable to have children, is in her sixth month of pregnancy. Look, right? Look at her. She's an example of what God can do. For no word from God will ever fail. So Mary has this supernatural visit from this angel that's talking, you can have the Son of God, it's going to be your child, God's going to make that possible through the Holy Spirit, even though you're a virgin, Jesus is going to be the King, He's going to save people, it's going to be amazing. If you were Mary, how would you respond to that? How, how do you take that in? You're just living in your small town. You're not even in Sephora, right? In your small Nazareth, and an angel shows up and gives you all this. That's a lot to take in. And by the way, God favors you. God favors you. I guess the question I have is, is did Mary, right, did she want to be Mary, right? Did she want to go and be the mother of Jesus and, and deal with all this stuff, right? Did she want to do that? I know, like, it's the season of Advent, and a lot of churches, you know, have little Christmas plays with the kids, and you hand out the parts about who wants to be the angel, and the shepherds, and the wise men, and Joseph, and, you know, when people ask who wants to be Mary, all these hands go up, right? But if we, if, if we really ask for hands today, who wants to be Mary and accept this challenge and be the parent of God, like, how many of us would really raise our hand? Because that's cool, but it's also scary, Right? Mary's had favor with God. What does that mean? Another translation of that is the word grace. Right? Goodness that we don't deserve. Kindness, salvation, forgiveness. Right? That's, that's what's going to happen in Jesus. He's, he's going to offer all of us forgiveness when we don't deserve it. He's going to offer us a life that is full now and forever in the kingdom of God. Right? Jesus is going to offer this grace that, that was given to Mary. She has this special favor bestowed upon her. and I think we all want to receive grace. We all want to receive favor. But sometimes it's also, there's a, there's a challenge to that. Because if Mary says yes to God, yes to the Holy Spirit, she's going to be pregnant. She's not all the way fully married yet. What are people going to say? They're going to talk about her. They're going to gossip about her. What's Joseph going to say? She shows up pregnant. He's, she's like, don't worry, Joseph. God made me this way. Sure he did, right? right? Joseph might call off the wedding. He might, you know, cancel it. He might, he might leave her. Right? In, in that day and age, if you were pregnant and you weren't married, then you could be killed for that. Right? And, and the way that they would kill people is they'd line them up and they'd throw rocks at them until they died. So she could be stoned to death if, if she says yes. And even if that doesn't happen, 
right, in that day and age, it was not uncommon for women who were giving birth to die giving birth because they didn't have hospitals like they have today. So there, there's some severe risk here that Mary might have to face. And I love Pastor Adam Hamilton. He says it like this, that with Mary, God's favor was meant not necessarily for a life of bliss. Oh, you're going to be sitting in the Marriott and having bonbons fed to you, right? But a life of risk. There's going to be risk if you say yes to what the angel's asking you, right? Not like risk like not wearing your seatbelt or jumping out of an airplane or eating a pound of jalapenos before you go to bed, right? But like you could die. Your reputation could be smeared, right? This is, this is favor with God, which is a good thing, but it also comes with risk, right? Sometimes God calls us to go places that we might not want to go. God calls us to spend time with people that we might not want to spend time with. God asks us to do things sometimes that take us out of our comfort zone, but God needs us to do that. So how does Mary respond to being, having favor from God, but also having to face a real life that's going to be full of risk? This is how she responds. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled, right? I'm your servant, right? May your word to me be fulfilled, right? And then the angel left her. Mary's like, boom, I'm in, right? I'm in. I I found favor with God. You want me to be the mother of Jesus? It sounds like there's going to be some risk involved, right? We don't see all that's going on in her mind, but what's awesome about it is her faith. She's like, I am in. Count me in, right? I'm your servant. Whatever you need me to do, right, I'll do it. And I think right here is where we find the answer. Why did the angel Gabriel come to Nowheresville in Nazareth? It's because Mary lived there, right? And from her character is why the angel showed up. God knew, right? Mary's the type of person that's going to say, yes, God, I'm sure when God was looking for the mother of Jesus, was checking out who needed to be there, it was Mary. Her character drew the angel there. Also, her humble nature, her humble surroundings in Nazareth, It foreshadows that Jesus is going to be a humble Savior. He's not going to be a great king like David was. He's not going to be some super military leader or some big politician. He's going to be a carpenter, a humble person who is a servant who's going to serve us by dying on a cross and coming back to life. So a humble beginning for a humble Savior. We also learn with Mary, we learn with Nazareth that God uses unexpected people. God shows up in unexpected places. God calls us to do unexpected things. And outside of Jesus, Mary's the most crucial person in the history of salvation. What if she had said no? Right? Would there be Jesus? Right? She plays such an incredible role. So we think about our journey, what God's calling us to do. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea here? What's the takeaway? Like what do we what can we learn from Mary and Nowheresville, Nazareth? This is what I think is going on here. Where you come from matters. Where it shapes who you are, it begins your life, it, it forms who you are, right? Where you come from is important. Where you come from matters. There's good things in it. There's bad things in it. There's things to embrace, things to leave behind. Where you come from matters, but not as much as where God is leading you now. Not as much as where God is leading you. If you had a rough past, you can leave that behind, right? If you had a, a good past, you can, you can take that with you. You can take all of it with us, but where you come from matters, but not as much as where God is leading you now. Right? So as Mary was being led, how is God leading you in your life? 
to what is God calling you to do in your family, at work, at school, in, in your neighborhood, in your church, right? What is God calling you to do? What is God leading you to do? Because it's not just people in the Bible, right? God continues to talk to all of us, speak to all of us, has plans for all of us. No matter where we come from, God is ready to use us to make a difference in the world. So I would invite you to consider this action step of say yes to God. What is it God is trying to get you to do? Where is God leading you in your life right now? Can we, like Mary, say, here I am, God. Use me according to your will. Right, God, that sounds scary as heck, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do that. that. That's not what I would have chosen necessarily, God, but I'm going to trust you. Wow, that's exciting, God. I'm glad you're calling me to do that. I am in. Right, Say yes to God. Here I am. Use me according to your will. What's God saying to you? Where's God leading you? And for some of us, we don't even know where to start with that. Like, we don't have an angel like Gabriel just pop into our lives. If we did, we'd probably think we're going crazy and need medicine or put in a hospital somewhere, right? Well, how do we know what God wants us to do? I think part of that is we continue to worship together. We, we, we go home and we pray and we listen to God. We pray with other people. We read Scripture alone. We read Scripture together. Those are ways that we begin to hear from God. We surround ourselves with other people who are yearning for God and and we can say to them, I think this is something that God might have for me. What do you think about that? Right? We, we get in small groups. We get in life groups together, and we can, we can navigate life together. These are places to start listening for God in church, in worship, prayer, scripture, being around others who are following after God. Those are good things to do. Just looking around the world, right? What, what is it that you, that you have been given a gift to do, and you can make the world a better place? Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Maybe it's something huge, maybe it's something small. What is God calling you to do? And can we say yes to that? Sometimes for me, it's usually I know what God's calling me to do. It's just sometimes I'm excited, sometimes I'm scared. And like, do I have the guts to do that? God, will you be with me? That sort of thing. Is there something in your life right now that you've been wrestling with that you think God's been calling you to do, but, but something's been holding you back? Maybe today's the day that you move forward on that. What is it that God's calling you to? Where is God leading you to go? And can we, like little old Mary and little old Noseware Nazareth, if God can use Mary, then maybe God can use you. Maybe God can use me. Another thing I invite you to think about is being a messenger. Be a messenger for God. Not, maybe not necessarily a supernatural angel that God sends out of heaven, right? We've already missed that boat, but we can still do something just as important. Is, is there a message that God has for you to give to someone? Maybe it's to invite them to church. Maybe it's to invite them to some of the stuff we're doing for Advent. Maybe uh, it's just telling them how God's working in your life. Maybe you're a messenger through the way that you live your life. Maybe you're nice to a student at school who gets bullied all the time and everyone makes fun of them. That, that's a messenger for God. What message might God be giving you for someone around you in your family, at work, at school? Maybe even a stranger. Maybe even your waitress or waiter that you see today after church. Could you be a messenger for God? As we think about being messengers for our community, one thing that I love about the Advent season that has become a tradition in our church uh, is that every year as a congregation, we try to think about how can we give Jesus a birthday present for Christmas? Because ultimately, Christmas is Jesus' birthday, right? One question I have is, if it's Jesus' birthday, why do we get all the gifts, right? And don't get me wrong, I love gifts. I love receiving them. I love giving them. I love giving them to my wife, to my children, right? Keep giving gifts, right? That's, that's what the season is all about. But if it's Jesus' birthday, 
why are we the only ones giving, getting gifts, right? What kind of gift could we give to Jesus? And so we think about that as a church. Uh, and one of the questions is, well, what, kind, what can we give Jesus? Like you got people in your life who are impossible to shop for. You just don't know what to give them, right? Jesus is like that because he can have whatever he wants, right? I want this, snap my fingers, and he's got it, right? How do you buy for somebody who has everything already, right? So what we feel led to do is that we take up a Christmas Eve offering every year, and we, we take that money, and we give it all away. We divide that between two ministries that we think are important, that God's supporting, and that's our gift to say, Jesus, it's your birthday. You don't need anything, especially not materially. So we want to give you a financial gift that goes to help people who are being ministered to around us. And so that's something that we love to do. Melissa mentioned like, we, we took water, clean water, to Haiti. Uh, we've helped forgive medical debt for people in our state. We've done all kinds of really cool things for Christmas. And that's a gift for us to Jesus, you know. And some people say, well, well, how much should we give to Jesus? How much does Jesus need? And I think Pastor Lindsay said it really cool in the, offer, in the opening today. is they offer what you have to Jesus. Right? Some people say, okay, the person I'm spending the most money on for Christmas this year, I'm going to take that same amount of money, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that to the church as well, right? Because Jesus, it's your birthday, you're number one, and so I need to spend the most on you. Some people have added up everything that they've, they're spending on the whole Christmas, and they say, I'm going to give that amount to Jesus through the Christmas Eve offering, right? Because Jesus, you, you're all-encompassing. And some have given a lot less, and some have given somewhere in the middle, right? It's just offer God what you have. And this is not mandatory. It's just an opportunity that we have to come together as a church, and when we pool our resources, we can do more together than we can by ourselves, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to be messengers so this Christmas, I'm excited to talk to you about the two ministries that we're going to support. The first is one based here in Charlotte, uh, and it's called Refugee Support Services. And you can see their logo here. Uh, they support people who move into Charlotte from other countries. Some of them are looking to come into our nation to get uh, an opportunity to work. Some of them are fleeing, you know, war or persecution, things like that. And so Refugee Support Services helps them arrive, survive, and then to thrive, right? If you can imagine going to another country where you don't speak the language, you don't understand the culture, and you get there, where would you start, right? And so RSS helps people find a place to live, get their kids in school, find jobs, figure out how to go to the grocery store, or the bank, all the things that we take for granted, right, that people from the outside coming into our nation, right, just don't know how to do that. And so they work with people from over 20 different countries who've come into Charlotte. And most recently, people are coming in from Afghanistan, fleeing the terror that is in Afghanistan. And so this is a great way for us to come together and say, welcome to our city. Welcome to Charlotte. We're glad that you're here. And by the way, Jesus loves you very much, and that's why we're doing this. So this is a really cool ministry that's going on. We'll hear more about that throughout uh, this series. Uh, there's some brochures out on the table you can grab if you're here today, or you can just go to their website and check it out. The other one is New Story Church. Uh, we've helped them before. They are a church plant in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and they're what's known as a mission church. This is a United Methodist congregation. Most of their congregation is made up of homeless people and people who are battling addictions to alcohol and to drugs. Uh, and so they're doing amazing things there. And the thing is, they just don't have a lot of money. And so a mission church relies upon other churches to help do its work. 
And we've helped them before. We helped them start a second campus. They're, God's doing so many cool things among them. They needed another, another site, and so we helped them start that. We also helped them build a free medical clinic where people don't have to have money to receive medical care, and that's happening in Winston-Salem because of, our, of your generosity to that. And so we'll hear more about that later as well. So these are two ministries that we really believe in that this Christmas we can say, God, Happy birthday, right? This is our gift to you. So I just invite you to maybe start thinking and praying. Is this something that God might be calling you to? If it is great, if not, it's okay as well, right? This is an option. This is just one option of many. Um, but for now, I want to go back to Mary just one more time. And I just, I, I wonder, what if she had said no? It's like, thank you, Gabriel. It's nice to be honored. I'm glad you know where Nazareth is. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks for saying that I'm favored by God. I mean, I'm just blown away that, you know, God would consider me to be the mother of, of the Son of God. But, uh, you know, to be honest, it's just too much. I just, I can't do it. I'm overwhelmed. There's no way I can do it. Just, I don't know. I think you might have made a mistake. I just, I, I've got to say, now, what if Mary had said no? Maybe her life with Joseph would have been a little bit easier, right? They're not in this scandal. Uh, they don't have to flee to Egypt, right? Their son's not going to be killed or whatever, all that kind of stuff. It might have been a lot easier life. But I think if she'd said no, then God would have sent Gabriel to another young woman who would eventually would have said yes and been the mother of Jesus and been a part of the greatest story ever told. And Mary would have missed out on that. Because God's plans are going to move forward with or without us, right? If we say no to God, we're just hurting ourselves. And, and we're stepping out of that equation. And Mary would have missed out on so much. Brothers and sisters, don't miss out on what God has for you in your life. Don't miss out on the great things that God is planning for you. Don't miss out on the great journey that God has in store for you, right? Where you come from matters, but not as much as where God is leading you now. Where is God leading you now? Don't miss out on the great things that God wants for your life. Say yes to God. Say yes to God, just like Mary said, yes, here I am. Use me according to your will, God. No matter where you come from, no matter what your past is, God has great plans for you. If God can use little old Mary from nowhere, God can do great things in your life as well. Where you come from matters, right? but not as much as where God is leading you now. Don't miss out on what God is calling you to do. Say yes to God. Let's pray about that. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you that the season of Advent is here that we look forward in just a few weeks, God, to celebrating the birth of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And we thank you for taking us on a spiritual journey. Thank you for this, the town of Nazareth, God. Nowhere, right? In the midst of nowhere, you even show up and you choose someone that was probably unexpected to be a servant of God. And yet Mary was the perfect person because you knew her heart, God. You knew her character. And just as you know Mary, you know us, God. You know that we are capable of great and good things because we were created in your image. And so, God, as we go on our own spiritual journey, we ask that you would open our eyes to see what it is that you're calling us to do in our lives, in our relationships, with our family, with our friends, with our job, with our, our, our schoolwork, God, with uh, the community that we live in. What is it that you're calling us to do? Help open our eyes to see that. And when we discover what that is, God, help us to be like Mary, 
to be bold and to be courageous, even when it might sound risky or scary that your favor is a good thing and that you want to do good things in our lives, God. So, Lord, thank you for this great start to this Advent season. Help us to know where it is that you're calling us to and give us the, the heart of Mary to be able to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen.